Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Sunday the 10th of July with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 400. The fun-sized fruit era reaches its long overdue climax. Finally, if you're joining for the first time, then where the hell have you been for the last decade? Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. 17.34 hours, a heat wave here in London, uh, probably the country as a whole. I'm now at the stage where I'm constantly having to check an online PDF of the fridge manual to work out how the fridge should be set up. I always struggle with this. I think three is neutral. If you go clockwise, that's meant to be colder. But what I don't understand is, should the fridge be colder in the summer or do I need to go anti-clockwise, make it warmer? Because initially I thought, well, it's got to be, I'm trying to hold off the first hard swallow of the show. I think it's going to come in the, yeah, it's going to come in the opening minute. I'm going to do the hard swallow now. There we go. First hard swallow, 1734. Interestingly, dental appointment Friday with an orthodontist looking at uh, various issues, which are going to cost quite a lot. And one of the things they did look at is the swallowing and they explained why I've got the hard swallow. So that was interesting at this very late stage of the podcast in in inverted uh, commas career. I now know why I've been prone to the hard swallow uh, post the uh, 2014 uh, dental brace. And now I've lost, no, I've not lost my thread. I remember what I was telling you. Yeah, the fridge settings. If I go colder, that is the obvious route to go. But there is a part of me wondering whether the fridge itself reacts to the warmer weather by instinctively kicking in the colder settings because when I open the fridge when it's this hot weather and remember that now it's 12 months since I switched to long life milk because so much of my food and and dairy products were ruined by last year's mini heat wave although I do think we got off lightly last year I don't think it was a big uh, mini heat wave I don't think it was what's or it wasn't as prolonged as we were expecting. I am going to try and record this as live, by the way. I'm going to try and go out with a bang. None of this uh, pre-recorded, heavily edited uh, business, 1736, second hard swallow. So often I open the fridge when it's really hot weather and everything is way too cold. I find, you know, blackberries, which are so expensive. I've, I've been buying blackberries along with fish because these are meant to be, you know, I've been reading more about nutrition and these are meant to be good things for you. Not every fruit is necessarily good for you. Blackberries are supposed to be one of the better fruits. And, you know, I'm finding the blackberries have iced over, the the, the blueberries are, are spoiled, apples are frozen. 
And this always tends to happen when it gets too hot. I, I don't think it's a great fridge, but it should still not be happening. But I, I can't work out the settings. If anyone really understands whether I need to go clockwise towards the colder settings when it's hotter, or I need to go anti-clockwise and make the fridge warmer, I don't know. It's all very confusing. Anything to do with numbers is very confusing for me, uh, apart from uh, low download numbers. Nothing confusing about that. That's been very clear from the start. Since I was last with you a couple of weeks ago, there was uh, an outbreak of COVID in the building, uh, episode 399, which went out exclusively to Patreon uh, supporters. I think I might have mentioned that. I'd been having a, a meeting with the one of the downstairs neighbours on the ground floor, and uh, thankfully for most of it, we were in the garden, her, myself, and the guy finally overseeing the roof being sorted out, which uh, you've been hearing me talk about now for the last eight years, and it looks like it's finally been signed off. The scaffolding still hasn't come down. But later on, she emailed both myself and the contractor to say that she tested positive for COVID. And I thought, oh, well, there was a 10, 15-minute period where we were talking indoors, her and I, and fairly close as well. I thought, uh, chances are I'm going to get it. Voice broke up there. Chances are I'm going to get it. And by the following morning, I thought, yeah, I think I'm getting it. I tested for about two to three days. In the end, I didn't get it. It's weird, isn't it? You know, and I've heard stories over the last two, two and a half years. You know, you get couples who are still sharing the same bed or families where not everyone is isolated and two people get it. And, and you know, one other person doesn't get it. It's, it's weird how it works. But, yeah, I'm pleased to say I didn't get it. You have to ration your tests now here in the UK because there are no more free tests. But, um. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't get it a third time. The way things are going and on the continent too, it's it's going to be hard to avoid again. It's just one of those things that are with us. It doesn't really stop me doing what I'm doing. I do look very unfashionable on the buses right now. One of the few to be wearing my mask. I was coming back from a gig last week late at night and uh, I'll swallow 1739. I noticed the one of the neighbour's daughters who's in her early 20s, she was at the back unmasked and... It was one of those, uh, well, new buses, the new route masters that have been around now maybe for, what, uh, since the late noughties. And I decided to get off via the back exit and removed the mask. I don't think she'd recognise me because I had the mask on. It's weird. We've lived in the same building for eight or nine uh, years, but uh, very few uh, interactions. But we kind of recognise each other now and... I was hoping that she would go in before me and wouldn't be aware that I was coming in. I thought I, I can just hang about for a bit and then come in after her. But I ended up, for some reason, I ended up going up first to the front door and I was trying to find my keys. And I thought in case she's seen me wearing the mask, I'm just going to make light of the fact that, uh, you know, how unfashionable I felt on the bus being the only guy on the top uh, deck wearing the mask. She was very kind about it, but uh, probably internally she was thinking, yeah, you really did look uh, very crusty with that mask. I'm not wearing my mask. I'm going to live my life. She dealt with it very well anyway, uh, showing a maturity beyond her tender years. Very few people wearing their masks in supermarkets as well, and yet the COVID stats have just been going up and up and up. And as I say, I'm just trying to live my life, getting on with things. I, I'm taking enough risks doing gigs. You know, I saw uh, on the Facebook comedy forums that I'm, I'm, I'm a part of, and which, to be fair to Facebook, I find very useful uh, because 
for me. Otherwise, there'd be absolutely no reason to be on Facebook. And the only way to get the gigs is via Facebook. Some promoters say that they're trying to move away from Facebook, but it's not happening uh, quickly enough. But there was an interesting post over the weekend. I think it might have been yesterday or Friday. Someone was asking if uh, people take their own mics to gigs. You're going to just look too paranoid if you if, if you do that. What would be good is if the MCs did wipe down the mics between the changeovers, between the acts, but uh, instead they'd rather just uh, talk for about 10 minutes often be, be between bringing on the acts and the night goes on forever and then we all go away and uh, chances are we might have uh, tested positive for COVID by the end of the week. There are things I would do differently if I had my own night. It's something that, uh, you know, so many comedians are putting on their own nights. I just don't want to, you know, be freeing up time by stopping certain things, certain projects, just to have a load of time then that I need to put into something else that is going to be very difficult to make work. So many gigs are just dead now. There is just such little support for live comedy. And it's not because it's been a really warm summer, because it hasn't. The summer has been a slow burner, really. Just, uh, I'm wearing very short shorts here, so I'm sticking to my chair. So you might have heard me trying to peel the back of my thighs off this uh, this chair. 17.42 hours. Yeah, there's very little support for live comedy. So why do I think that if I did a show, it would be any different? I have an idea of the kind of show that I would do and it wouldn't be uh, me and chums, uh, partly because I don't really have many chums, uh, or very, if at all, on the comedy circuit. I've, I've met one or two nice people who are well on the way to becoming friends, but you know, I would try and go for the best acts that I could get as long as they were decent to deal with. But again, how do you make something like this work? You'd have to pay for the banners as well. But one thing I'd do is uh, I would tell the MCs, look, you know, if you want to do a 10 minutes at the start of each section you doing your stuff, that's fine. But in between the acts, just bring the acts on. You know, people are there to watch the acts. They're not there to watch the MCs. If you've got a good MC, that is an absolute bonus. Since I was last with you, I've managed to get a watch. I had three. I bought three, had to return to the last one. Amazon said, you can just keep that. The problem is the first one I got from Argos just needed to be a cheap watch, wanted something digital you know, uh, something with a stopwatch. So as I progress through the stand-up circuit, I can learn to time my sets on stage. Pretty much every comic is wearing them because I rehearse so much. I'm, I'm kind of getting away with my sets for, for, you know, except once or twice where I've had to cut them short on stage. But, you know, they're so well rehearsed time-wise. I know what I'm working with. But as, as I go through the gears, as I start to do longer sets, I, I, I need to, I think a stopwatch would be very useful. The first watch from Argos, I had a friend trying to set it and uh, they said, no, look, this is too difficult to set. It's it's not working. And even if you do get it working, that, that one actually came with a manual, to be fair. But they said, even if you do get it working, it's too difficult. It shouldn't be this difficult. So I took it back to Argos, got a refund, then looked for a watch, found a better one, just paid a bit more, I think an extra three or four pounds, still a budget watch, uh, bought it uh on Amazon, it arrived, no manual, just a guarantee. Uh, and I thought, well, why did they do this? Well, does the internet just expect everyone to know how to fix a watch? I'm not a techie guy. Give me a manual. Uh, I, I don't want to have to download a PDF. I sent it back. They refunded me. 
got another watch, the same watch from another. They no, they said, look, we'll tell the seller you need a manual, and uh, the watch came the following day. No manual again. I contacted them right away. And and the thing is, right, it's a big deal because there was no manual online. And believe me, I searched. And the only videos for this watch are unboxing videos. Nothing on how to set the watch. A friend said to me that, you know, once you know how to set one watch, you you know, you can set pretty much every watch. I don't think that holds true. And, you know, I haven't had a digital watch, I think, since uh, the early 80s. I I only had one for about 30 days and then I lost it on May the 27th, 1981, the day of the European Cup final, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Lost it in Brixton, Angeltown. I think I told that story again recently for the umpteenth time. So I went back to Amazon and they said, look, uh, I said, I'm going to send this back today. Send me whatever I need to do. Send me the QR code. I'll take it back to the post office. They said, no, you can have it. Uh, You can have it for free. Uh, We've messed up. And that didn't actually resolve the issue with the manual. I thought, okay, so I've got myself a free watch, but there's no manual. I still can't work this watch. Contacted a couple of sellers on eBay. They finally got back to me. One of them had a manual, but before that, I'd uh, gone to a gig that I was doing. Joff was there, and I figured Joff would be uh, certainly far more techie than me. And within about two minutes, just before the gig started, we were outside in Great Portland Street, and he sorted the watch out for me. Meantime, via Twitter, I'd contacted the watch manufacturer, Timex, and they took about a week to come back to me with a PDF, but they now have sent me one. And what a roundabout way to get a watch working. I now have a working watch anyway, and uh, it's been going with me on my runs as well, which I think in a way, because usually I'm relying on my phone, so I have a rough idea. I know how quickly or slowly I can do a lap a particular part of the park because I was wearing the watch on Friday when it was really hot. I think in a way that kind of hindered me because I kept looking at the time. And I was saying to myself, okay, so if I'm doing this particular stretch, although on, on, I'll come to it in a moment, uh, Friday's run, I was tweaking my route. So I was, I was curious as to how long this new route was going to take. So the watch came in handy there, but I think if I was doing my usual route, the watch might be a bit of a distraction. Mentally, I might start thinking, oh God, this is going on forever you know, clock watching, that doesn't really work. be like being back in the uh, classroom. A quiet weekend uh, for me, he said, moving on, resting, sleeping excessively. Got up at, I think I got up at eight yesterday, Saturday morning, back in bed by nine after breakfast. Must have slept six or seven hours during the day. I think I've been so drained from a very difficult week. And now, you know, I've got the mental fallout from that to to deal with and to prepare myself for what might be good or or, or bad news. Uh, Unusual for me to be sleeping excessively. I don't think it's the heat that's done that. And then today, a similar story. And I didn't think I'd be recording this episode until tomorrow. I've got uh, outstanding work for a client to do, which I'm hoping I can sign off tomorrow. So I thought it'd be best to do this today. And I needed to get up, get out of bed, had a workout, and now I'm recording this and it just uh, frees up tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, the plan is leave really early. Got to try and find uh, 
trying to find something more suitable for stage for the stage uh, in terms of getting to the gigs and I'm thinking like a hoodie I was telling Joff this uh, a hoodie which would have pockets because sometimes you kind of don't know what to do with your non-microphone holding arm and and also I just want to have something better to wear than what I've currently got uh, to gigs but as is usually the case they don't have uh, the the, uh, low-key non-branded hoodie that I want in the shops that I've checked tomorrow I'm going to Wandsworth Town first thing in the morning going to drop a load of library books off as well four that I've uh, read that I can return to Battersea Library and uh, hoping to get some socks as well because I've wrecked a lot of my summer socks with a rodent situation this summer this is going to be a long show Uh, you know because I was bleaching floors and forgetting to take socks off and all my socks have got discolored from the bleach a positive thing I did this weekend just yesterday I was bagging some of the ex's clothes that were still in the bedroom sticking them in bin bags and sticking them in the uh, junk room to free uh, free room up for my own clothes, which are just piled on top of the drawers. I, I can't use uh, my own... Uh, my Annunciation, Dave, annunciation. I can't use my own built-in wardrobe because there's a, a damp issue in the far corner of the bedroom that, that's ongoing. I've tried to fix it with special paint in the past. It just does nothing, really. And so I can't stick my clothes in there. And I just thought, well, you know, I'm the one living here now. I need the space. And it's not a big deal. It's it's not that I haven't done this because, you know, I'm expecting them to come back. They're never coming back. I knew that when they left, uh, you know, three years ago. It's just I don't like the painful reminders. And whether it's uh, cutlery, cookery books, their clothes, you know, getting rid of these or moving them to another part of the flat. The moments, though brief, uh, emotionally, damage-wise, they're not insignificant. They're not insignificant. They can still wobble me, which is why I need to be out of this flat. So that's why I avoid it. But it needed to be done, and I'm pleased that uh, I did it. On the runs Monday last week, uh, what was Monday? Oh, it's still this week. Uh, I always think Monday's the start of the week. What was Monday? I'm going to try and find out what Monday Monday was. There's eBay uh, sending me an email about this uh, Star Wars vintage action figure I've been watching for ages. Monday the 27th of June, I did uh, 15.5k. Uh, that was that was good, though. My feet have been battered and I've not been able to get an appointment at the foot clinic because they're so far behind with the, you know, post-COVID. And I uh, just think right now I'm at the stage of, because because the grass the trail that I run on is so hard that I could do with getting my feet seen they're getting absolutely battered right now and I've not replaced my uh, bedlam running shoes for over two and a half years which uh, doesn't help Uh, they're practically worn away so that was a that was a good run Wednesday I couldn't run because uh, I was recovering from uh, a load of uh, a load of scans at the hospital and I thought my body needed a break got back out on Friday was again targeting 15 it was too hot for me actually I bought a a baseball cap a very cheap baseball uh, cap 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 unbranded again uh, five pounds that actually fitted comfortably very unusual for me and uh, although I could have done with saving the fiver, once I tried the hat on, 
I thought, yeah, it's not often that uh, with my forceps delivery sized head that I happen upon a hat that's going to actually be comfortable. So that was uh, that's a useful purchase. That will be invaluable. I'm not going to use it for the runs because it will get stained with sweat. I'm just going to use it to walk back and forth from the cafe and anywhere else that I might be going. Uh, Friday, yeah, I just settled for eight. I did uh, two different routes well I did two laps the same route but I I tweaked my route considerably and uh, you know I was pleased with it so by doing it this way I can get 4k from each lap so I thought that was rather clever for myself and uh breaks things up a bit but there was no way I could do 15 in it in this heat and everything was running late I just wanted to eat and you know at the end of the day I've done 15 on the Monday so my running has improved uh, significantly in recent weeks and I think part of that has been that I've been able to switch off by rehearsing my sets while I'm running which has been really good I've been doing it been doing my set twice on each lap that's been invaluable and it's meant that I've had to I've been able to rehearse less indoors uh books wise stepped up the reading during the last couple of difficult uh weeks been reading loads i mean just this weekend reading loads just trying to switch off from things so i'll just run you through the books that i've read since i was last with you neil spring the haunted sure neil spring the author of a couple of harry price books which i really enjoyed uh this one the haunted shore this was published on Uh, October 2020, here's the blurb. When Lizzie moves to a desolate shore to escape her past, she hopes to find sanctuary, but a mysterious stranger is waiting for her, her father's carer. And when darkness falls, something roams this wild stretch of beach, urging Lizzie to investigate its past. The longer she stays, the more the shore's secrets begin to stir. Secrets of a sea that burned, of bodies washed ashore, and a family's buried past reaching into the present. And when Lizzie begins to suspect that her father as carer is a dangerous imposter with sinister motives a new darkness rises what happens next is everyone's living nightmare i'll swallow 1754 i didn't really i I enjoyed this it was a it was a page turner but uh, i wouldn't say it was a terrifying tale as the blurb says and i didn't really it wasn't one of his better books he's a good writer i like the harry price books and i enjoyed the lost village but uh, this uh, this wasn't his best book by by any stretch. Uh, it wasn't that I was glad to get it out of the way, but uh, yeah, just not a book that will live long in the memory. Uh, a book I finally got around to reading, and this was a strange one in that I'd had the hardback. I couldn't find a paperback copy of it. Had it for a long time during the pandemic, returned it to the library when I couldn't renew it anymore and wasn't bothered about getting it again. I just thought, I'll try and look for the paperback. Couldn't find the paperback. Don't even know if there's been a paperback edition published. And uh, then I just went to another library, also in Lambeth, and and took the book out again. Murakami, first person singular. Uh, The blurb for this, these are short stories, eight masterly stories in this new collection. They're all told in the first person by a classic Murakami narrator from nostalgic memories of youth, meditations on music and an ardent ardent love of baseball to dreamlike scenarios, an encounter with a talking monkey. That's actually my favourite. That's a regular Murakami thing. I'm sure he's done this before with other animals that was a really really good one Uh, a a talking monkey that steals women's identities not physically well actually no physically like he might steal their driving license 
um, and, and the women start to get confused. He, he'll do this if he falls in love with a woman because he, know, he, he doesn't find, because he grew up with humans, he doesn't find monkey women attractive. So he's attracted to uh, human females, but obviously that interspecies thing isn't on. So he's kind of stuck in no man's land, but he's constantly falling in, uh, falling in love with women. And uh, the women that he falls in love with start forgetting certain things about themselves because he's been stealing little bits of their identities. And, and the um, Murakami's narrator in this particular short story runs into the monkey, I think, at some hotel. The monkey, I think, is scrubbing his back, I think, if I remember rightly, in some sauna, some sauna-type setup. Uh, there's also... Uh, a short story on an invented jazz album. And the blurb continues, Together these stories challenge the boundaries between our minds and the exterior world. Occasionally, a narrator who may or may not be Murakami himself is present. Is it memoir or fiction? The reader decides. I like the monkey story. Uh, with most of the others, I was merely going through the motions. You know, I've had the book for a while. I just want to return it now. I've found that, you know, when I launched this show in 2012. You know, I was on a big Murakami trip. That's when I read most of his books. And in the last uh, few years from 2016 onwards, the the newer books that have come out, uh, I've read them too. I, I felt that the newer ones have been too long, like the 19th century classics, you know, which I love. But they just, you know, these are books that would have really benefited from an editor. They really would have. But uh, I enjoyed the monkey one, The Death of an Owl. Next up, The Death of an Owl. This was uh, an interesting book. I'm always suspicious when a book has two authors. That that did make me suspicious, and rightly so. But it was a, a good book for the most part. The blurb, political chaos, MPs turning on each other, expediency and skullduggery at the highest echelons of government. No, not Brexit, but a brilliant political satire from the best-selling author of Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. Andrew Lamford, MP, is driving home one late night along a dark country lane when a barn owl flies into his windscreen. It is an accident nothing more but Andrew sits on a parliamentary committee concerned with the uh, with the protection of endangered species and the death of the owl threatens to destroy his hopes of reaching number 10 also in the car is Andrew's old Oxford friend and political advisor Charles Fryan will they be able to keep the crime under wraps or will circumstances conspire against them Paul Torday's last novel completed by his son Piers this is a timely reminder that in politics nothing is sacred I'd say the first 150 pages particularly the first hundred or so Odd Swallow 1801 they started very bright said and I mean that uh, as uh, as a compliment because that's a that's a great book assuming the problem is uh, it's hard to see where the join is in terms of how much of the novel was written by Paul Torday uh, before he passed away and at what point did his son Piers take over but I'm I'm assuming it was the son's idea to go down the Hitchcock's uh, the Hitchcock birds route because up until that point it'd been a very enjoyable book a believable book after that it just became very very silly it felt like I was reading two different books I know that the son had gone through his dad's notes before making up his mind to try and finish the book and it kind of been an easy thing but it didn't feel like this is what the dad would have had planned for the book's conclusion. It just felt 
A very, very odd book. The Owl Always Hunts at Night by Samuel Bjork, my second Samuel Bjork book. Again, these are just page turners. They're not particular, they're not really the kind of fiction that I like, this particular one. Book two or three, and I'll have read them all back to front. I read three accidentally first, but then with books one and two borrowed from the library, I still managed to pick up uh, book two first as it needed to be returned this week. Although I think if I'd been aware that it wasn't book one, I'd have uh, tried to rush uh, rush through book one before reading this one. No doubt that they'll work as standalone books, but still I'd rather have read them in order. Uh, the blurb for this, no one is safe in the dark when a... And there we go. Once again, maybe for the last time, the sound of South London. Will there be another one in this show? 1803 hours. I wonder where those guys are going. When a young woman is found dead, the police are quick to respond. Oh, timely, timely siren. But what they find at the murder site is unexpected. The body is posed, this scene meticulously set, and there is almost no forensic evidence to be found. Detective Maya Kruger is a woman on the edge. She has been signed off work pending psychological assessment, but her boss has less regard for the rules than he should. Desperate to get Maya back in the office, Holger Munch offers her an unofficial deal. But the usually brilliant Maya is struggling and the team are unable to close the case until a young hacker uncovers something that forces the team to confront the scope of the murderer's plans and face the possibility that he may already be on the hunt for a second victim. And uh, I'll swallow 1803. Just uh, since yesterday evening, I raced through this book again. This is a book that I've sat on for a long time. In fact, I had it as a hardback. I didn't like the red cover. also didn't like it's a hardback. You know me, I don't like hardback. So I returned it and managed to get myself a paperback edition from Battersea Library. This is Philip Pullman's The Good Man Jesus and the Scoundrel Christ. This is a, a fascinating book. Uh, the story of two brothers, one is impassioned and one is reserved. One is destined to go down in history and the other to be forgotten. I think it's a controversial book. In Pullman's hands, uh, the blurb continues, this sacred tale is reborn as one of the most enchanting, thrilling and visionary stories of recent years. It's essentially the story of Jesus, but in this version, Mary has twins, Jesus and Christ. Christ is the weaker twin. Christ is the one who is charged with the responsibility of documenting his brother's missionary years, his final three years before he is crucified. And the book seems to suggest that Christ is actually the Messiah, that at the baptism, uh, God spoke to him and not to Jesus. Jesus is someone who doesn't get on with his own family. He's a controversial figure. Um, He is trying to do his bit for the Jewish people. I think the, the Christ figure is kind of thinking on a broader uh, a, a broader canvas. He's thinking, well, we've got to get the Gentiles in. You know, the kingdom of God can't just be for, for the Jewish people. It's a very interesting book. There is a mysterious stranger that starts following Christ around and asks him to document his brother's uh, travels and work on a, a, a uh, on a tablet and the interesting thing is i mean we never learn who the stranger is but christ is told that it is his work that will be 
remembered. He is arguably the more important figure because he is the one that's going to be documenting this story so that Jesus isn't forgotten. And in the end, it's not Judas that is betraying Jesus. It Well, you know, I won't give you, I, I've probably given you too much of a spoiler. It's a very interesting book. The author in his uh, background notes makes the point that in uh, Paul's letters, he refers to the Christ 150 times and to Jesus only 30 times, Christ being the Messiah, Jesus being the man who lived until he was 33, who was put to death by the Romans, who may or may not have been the Son of God, but Christ is the one that is followed by Christians and has been for the last uh, 2,000 years. It's it's a really interesting book. I wasn't exactly looking forward to reading it. I'd heard about it on a, on a uh, religious podcast that I, I listened to from time to time, but I, I'd sat on it for a couple of years. But it was a, it was a good book, an easy read too as well. It's just a different take on the uh, Gospels. Uh, moving on from books, actually, before I go, let me tell you what I'm going to be reading later after I do this show, which is going to be a very long one. There was a hard swallow there, 18.07. We're half an hour in already. Let me have a look at what I'm reading today. Today, I'm going to start a book. Again, this is a book that I bought secondhand or pre-used. Robert Ryan, The Sign of Fear, another Dr. Watson book. This is the fourth, I think, of the four that Robert Ryan has written. This is the only one I haven't read. I bought this one over four years ago. I think I actually got this one. I'm thinking, oh, I certainly got one of his books the night I went to see one of the last Star Wars films. I went to see uh, Rogue One. That wasn't because I wanted to see it. The X was a big Star Wars fan. Now I'm thinking about it. I think the Robert Ryan book I'm referring to is a different one. This one I bought online, the other one. You know, I'm going to sort this out because I'm a pedant and I love detail. The one I'm thinking about, I've already read that, was bought on the cheap in W.H. Smith in Wandsworth Town the night, uh, yeah, I went to see, uh, I think it might have been Rogue One with the X. As I say, uh, these days, very much into the Star Wars vintage action figures. If I never see another Star Wars film again, I'll be fine with that. I also said, I think in recent weeks, I've been watching uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries. I found it very disappointing and it looked pretty cheap as well, I have to say. My aunt and uncle, my aunt's been giving me uh, some stand-up advice around her place. Uh, she saw one of my videos, as usual, talked her way through it, which I suppose doesn't matter because uh, you know she's not going to understand what's being said. But I at least wanted to acknowledge that people are laughing on my videos. You don't move enough, she said, though. Promoters tell me I move too much. My aunt says I'm not moving enough, and I'm wondering where her stand-up advice comes from. Maybe she watches that horrendous show live from the Apollo. Maybe... I don't know, maybe she watches a lot of stand-up. Maybe I've I've got it wrong and maybe I should be listening to her. If she could walk properly, I'd take her with me to gigs. I'd be uh, like Arrested Development, the band, the early 90s band, and that old man they used to have in their shows used to dance with his stick. Maybe she could be my um, Arrested Development elderly person. 30th of June, since I was last with you, 30th of June, I had a dream. My aunt had had a baby. I told her and my uncle this. She pointed at my uncle. Well, it wouldn't have been his now. My uncle gave me a little nonplussed look. I don't think the uh, digs bother him anymore. He is beyond caring. He's trying to renew his Spanish passport. 
at the moment. And uh, just to further confuse matters, the date of birth on his Spanish passport. The, the mixer there is clicking. I'm not sure why. The date of birth on his Spanish passport is different to his actual date of birth, his birthday that we all uh, celebrate. Uh, what can you say? I mean, it's only a day apart, but this is typical of my aunt and uncle. But uh, yeah, so he's trying to renew his Spanish passport. He turned up at the consulate, the Spanish consulate in Sloan Square. Obviously, these days, it's appointment only. Uh, my uncle thinks the world hasn't moved on, that things are still as they were maybe 30 years ago. So he had to come back. So I've been chasing uh, an appointment for him via Twitter uh, and email. I've had uh, word back now from the consulate. Initially, they've asked for my uncle's details. I've sent through the details, just waiting now for them to come back to me. But my aunt was wondering why he needs the passport. He's not going anywhere. He doesn't need it, which is a bit, it reminds me a bit, as I told her, of my dad and his driving license. He had a driving license in Spain. He came to England in uh, 1970, never drove in London. But every time he needed to renew his driving license, there'd be a big hoo-ha about it. He wanted the driving license, which was pointless. It was ceremonial. And I think my uncle with the passport, uh, that kind of, Seems a, a a similar thing there, really. But I guess these things matter when you get to that age, you know, because if you don't renew them, then you might question yourself as to why you're not renewing them. You might not be renewing them because you don't think that, you know, you're going to be around for their full duration. You're going to be thinking, well, I'm no longer useful. I'm not going to be using this anymore. I don't need it. I think mentally it's probably the right thing to renew it. You know, carry on as if everything is normal, as if your body isn't falling apart on you. So actually, I think my uncle should be renewing it. And of course, uh, we're just weeks away from me having to buy him his annual Brute, his uh, go-to perfume. Is it a perfume? Whatever it is, Brute. And that will be uh, just three weeks from now, a day after the uh, date of birth that actually appears on his passport. You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available, episode 400. We finally made it. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at 1607 facebook.com forward slash DRT available. You can find all my work at danielruiztyson.com and you can also support the work via the PayPal and uh, coffee.com links on my website. Or is it Ko-Fi? Never worked that out. I did at some point and then I just forgot all about it. But you can find all the links on the website and uh, you know everyone who ever supported the podcast by patreon big thanks to you because the last 200 episodes happened simply because of the patreon page there was no other reason for doing it thank you to those of you who gave the odd donation uh to uh again uh, appreciated and i'm saying this because uh, i always said that once i got to episode 400 i would make the decision as to whether the show continued and this is the final show and i'm actually pleased to announce that it's a it's a big relief for me it's actually over 450 episodes as in the early days of patreon i didn't count the bonus episodes as episodes proper so there have been over 450 episodes of daniel ruiz tyson is available i made the decision a couple of weeks ago i was comfortable with it 
And I came back once in 2019, uh, the autumn or late summer of 2019, simply because of where I was in my life. And the podcast helped me work out a few things. 2019 to 2020 were very difficult mentally. And because of that, that's led to some serious uh, physical issues. So, you know, it's that old cliche, if your head isn't right, your body will break down on you. Uh, It will start to betray you. But I'm in a a different place now mentally, certainly. I I don't need this show. I don't need the hassle of doing it. It's never going to grow. And uh, so many of my favorite podcasts in the operations like this have long ceased all reappear every now and then and I can hear the frustration in the host's voice, the same frustration that you probably hear in my voice. I'd like to thank all of you who've stuck with this show, uh, particularly those of you who, who found it from the beginning, who who came to it via the early podcast work. This wasn't my first show. You know, there's plenty of shows before that. I've been podcasting uh, for three years by the time I started doing this show. The radio era, this show, that that, that was my favorite era. Uh, the rest of it, it has been, it's just been attritional. It really has. And uh, it's the right decision to finish. I've held off on doing the 400th episode for a couple of weeks because I've had a lot on. I've had a lot of gigs, I've had a lot of hospital stuff, which is uh, not over. And uh, I, you know, had to work out how I was going to. Uh, frame this announcement within the episode. I wasn't in any particular rush to get it out of the way. I just wanted to do, uh, sign off with a, a decent final episode and also work out because, you know, the Patreon page, the little money that it's brought in has actually, you know, been covering a couple of bills every month, uh, which is, as as a friend said to me, look, uh, it still doesn't justify doing it. You're not even earning a minimum wage from the show. And, and that really, that that was the final thing I needed to hear before making this decision there was someone else another friend had said to me it's just like listening to an inner monologue it's not your best the best representation of your work I agree with them there but you know that's what it's meant to be an inner monologue but I agree it's not the best representation of my work and I'm conscious that as I make progress with a stand-up you know that people might be as they have been starting to find this show and they're going to think what's going on here what kind of show is this so it's not going to be the best representation of, of of the show because I don't do this show really with any particular love. It's just an OCD ridden thing. Let's uh, you know where I like to. Ever since I was a kid, with the comics I had, Zappo, Scully, The Rabble, there you know it was always I got excited at building up the numbers. I got excited at starting something and keeping it going as long as I could. But I'm just too old to be doing this, and it's so difficult working on your own. You know, ideally, I think with the podcast, you probably need to be at least a, a, a duo as, as you know, as uh, I was part of a duo in the early days, but it's just doing this on my own. And, and, you, and you need both people to be able to edit, uh, you know, the, the workload. That's why I really stopped editing this show in the last year is just uh, partly because it's too much work, but also because I just wanted to do something as live like the radio days, which is what I miss. You know, I, I don't mind having an error strewn show as long as it feels to me that I'm doing something that feels as close an approximation to radio as I could possibly do nowadays. So that's the decision. I'm fine with it. 
what I'd like you guys to do, those of you who are supporting the show on, on Patreon, is to switch that support, if you're minded to, to the Substack page. That is what I'm going to be building up now. Uh, there are 21 subscribers now, so uh, comfortably eclipse the Patreon uh, patronage already, but only one paid subscriber. And now that I'm going to be free of the podcasting, writing is going to be the main focus, the writing and the stand-up, and uh, I'll have more time to create content for that Substack page. There'll be premium content for those who are supporting the Substack page, the paid subscribers. They'll be getting premium content every week. Uh, And there will be the odd free bit of content if you just want to wait and see how it all uh, pans out. Uh, Hard Swallow 1823. You can support the Substack page, danielruizteisen.substack.com. And uh, the plan with the Substack page is uh, twofold. It will be easier to to write than than to record a podcast every week. It'll also help me get back into the groove of writing because for the last five months, I started the year off brilliantly and then since the end of January after a rejection from an agent, I think that did affect me and also the stand-up, of course, has affected the writing, uh, taking me away from so much of the time I had for the writing. So the, the, the Substack page will help me get back into the groove of writing and uh, this newsletter, I will be committed to it and I'm going to be able to grow it far more easily without uh, the podcast and it's just going to be a bit more fun for me. I just need an audience and even though there is a tiny audience out there and it has been growing, it, it doesn't feel like an audience to me. That's the problem I have with podcasting. I you know, I, I did the live streaming last year with Clay Lowe and, and that was fun at its best, but it was also a lot of work again, just for 30, 40 listeners. And that was the first time I really became aware that my health had been affected and I was no longer young. You know, I couldn't be going off on these wild goose chases, doing creative endeavors that I love, but very few other people did. You know, there was just no interest in it and there's not enough interest in this show. I'm fine with that. I've, I've done my best, but I need an audience. I need to feel like people are watching or, or listening. And the mistake was to come out of radio, which excited me in a way podcasting never has, uh, except the early uh, Please Don't Hug Me days, when I think part of the excitement was it was a novelty, but also I was able to grow an audience in those days in a way that I haven't been able to since. And I think that's probably because podcasting was also a novelty for that audience and there there weren't that many podcasts about. I miss the sort of final five minutes on a Monday night of being at Resonance FM and knowing that I'm going to be going on air at 2200 hours and I've got five minutes to get myself ready and I miss that buzz and having you know live tweets coming in during a half hour show I I miss how comfortable I got with that format I miss how comfortable I was at you know 2159 hours and the minute I becoming so good at radio live radio that I knew that a minute was a long time and that was enough to compose myself whereas at the start of course you're thinking oh my god just a minute I'm on air in a minute what am I gonna do and and to conquer those nerves and to to be able to engage with an audience in a way the podcast has never been able to do. It also attracted, you know, some unpleasant people in the early days. And it also attracted some memorable listeners and contributors over the years. Not enough regular interaction. Maybe you guys didn't see it as that kind of show. You know, 400 shows, it's the right time to bow out and... 
I would have continued at Resonance, but at the time, the whole thing about Acast coming in, I allowed myself to listen to people, and I, I'd made that earlier move to Acast. I was, you know, this is my second time around with them, and it was a mistake first time around, no, less so second time around. First time around, I, I really probably should have stayed with Resonance, but you know, Resonance, great station, but they just don't promote stuff unless I think maybe you're part of that inner circle, which I wasn't. I'm never, I've never been an inner circle kind of guy. That show, that that station was the right home for the show, but there was just the show just never got pushed. I got fed up with that. I decided to make it a podcast again, but for me, the show never recovered the excitement of episodes forty-five to I think maybe might have been one hundred eight, one hundred nine. So it was about sixty or seventy odd episodes on Resonance. My favorite all-time episode being the I can't remember the episode number now. Might have been eighty-five or eighty-six. The no, or 75, 76. It was the second series. Uh, there were three radio series. It was the second one, the 22nd of December. You can find it on the website, 22nd of December 2014, the Bumper Christmas Annual. That was my favorite ever episode of this. It was just uh, a 90 minute, was it 90 minutes? No, I think it might have been two hours. It, yeah, it was two hours. It was just so much fun. It was one of the biggest things I ever did. I had my doubts as to whether it would work. It worked brilliantly, and uh, I just loved it. One of the great things I've done in my life. Uh, And the podcast, it just never got anywhere near that radio era again. And when I went back for a third series in uh, 2015, by then I kind of knew it wasn't really working out with the radio station. I was kind of disappointed that the show wasn't pushed, and that's... In the end, like I say, I went back into podcasting, but I never really enjoyed it. And uh, even when I was doing Please Don't Hug Me, it was so, it was tough. It was such hard work, you know, working in that basement of the hotel with a really poor Wi-Fi signal. But I think the pattern of decline in my life, it set in around that time. I trace it back to Please Don't Hug Me. It wasn't the reason my life fell into decline, but it played a part in it. It played a part in terms of cementing that decline. I lost my focus as a writer, and here I am now finding myself in the hospital gown era, uh, a dangerous time for me and uh, a time when I'm not really earning much money. And is this worth continuing with? No, it's not. It will free me up to write and to push on with the gigs, the stand-up, and you know I've conquered my stage nerves. So... It's the right decision. Um, I'm happy with it. But I want to say thank you to you guys for supporting the show over the years in, in, in the way that you have, especially those uh, those patron uh, supporters, because without you, these 200 episodes, these last 200 episodes, 250 with the bonus content, they wouldn't have happened. Uh, a shout out, shout out, I would use shout out to Gemma in Canada. I still got to get back to your email uh, the last couple of weeks have been manic for uh, just not very interesting reasons, just life reasons, but I will come back to Gemma. And uh, thank you uh, to Gemma. Thank you to all of you guys uh, for your uh, support over the years. And like I say, if you can, at least subscribe to the Substack newsletter, danielruiztizen.substack.com. That will be uh, appreciated. So it was a week where I was having to fast. That was on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, I'm not a big eater, but not being able to have fruit, for example, or granola, that made for a very long day 
but as I said to you, you know, the ministerial resignations, I think that, uh, actually, I don't think I said that to you. So it was on the Tuesday and the ministerial resignation started to come in Tuesday evening. I didn't find out about it. I think the first hint I got was I saw, I think, an Instagram post from B.B. Lynch, and I thought, I wonder if something's happened. This was at 20, 100 hours. Something had happened. Uh, Javid had resigned, then Sunak. And so I went on Five Live. I rewound the drive show that I like, found the starting point for these resignations around 18, 15 hours. And I just listened to the radio for four or five hours, watching these resign- listening to these resignations coming in. That distraction, it really did help distract me from how hungry I was and how difficult Tuesday morning, first thing Tuesday morning, I had to get up really early, uh, how difficult the scans were going to be and... You know, hoping that Tuesday night would be the moment that the public school buffoon would finally fall on his sword. I mean, I think it was another, what, 36 hours before he finally did. It it helped. It it actually helped me uh, that night because it had been a very uh, difficult week. And, you know, on the podcast, as I say, you know, I'm done with the podcasting when shorts were shorts. Uh, I tried to, in recent weeks, see if I could revive that as a subscription-only podcast that hasn't worked so clearly my time with these shows is done uh gigs last week's gigs before i give you this week's gigs highlights a pen there sliding down uh last uh, sunday a packed gig that was sunday the 3rd of july angel comedy raw uh the one i wanted to do actually i wanted to do their venue in camden which is the big one but i had to settle for the one in angel i've been in angel now so often for gigs and it's one of those areas i never really knew how to get to and now i suddenly know how to get there and it's a fairly straightforward journey actually but uh, that was ram there must have been about 50 people in there there was a, a, a you know a, what they call the green room for comedians it was just uh a hallway. We weren't allowed to go on the external staircase that connected the venue to a bunch of flats, but the door was open because it was a warm evening. The fire door was open. There were mouse traps in the inverted commas green room, and a comedian was telling me because there were rats. There was rat bait downstairs on the ground floor, uh, just by the exit. This is at the back of the venue and the back of the flats, and also you know mouse bait in the green room. I mean, you, you didn't know where to put your feet because there were so many mouse, uh, not mouse traps, it was mouse bait. And he explained that when you get rats, you don't get mice. When you Where you get mice, you don't get rats. I'm not sure about the latter bit, but uh, he seems to be a bit of an expert. But I, I forgot why that's the case because he then told me he was only 21 years old and I just thought, oh man. Why can these guys, it should be like uh, youth football, you know, uh, you, you, the under 21s. If, you, if you're that age, you know, you, you operate at a different level, a junior level of comedy that, you know, I didn't need to be gigging with a 21 year old. But it was, um, it was, it was a good, it was a good night. I feel I could have been better. I don't think the audience would have been aware of that, but I felt I could have been better. And I just think I've gone from being able to go on stage and forget all my problems to now my uh, you know, situation is uh, potentially hairy enough to not be able to forget about it regardless of what I'm doing. So I'm kind of carrying that on stage at the minute. And I missed a couple of cues. My set, for some reason, turned out longer. So I got the light from the MC or from the promoter and I had to cut it short. And it worked. It still worked, but I lost the strongest bit from my set, but it still went down well. But I just, I think it's important to 
not get deluded to look at where you can improve and I know that I should have been sharper. I think part of my problem is I'm not getting the middle gigs. So I'm moving away from the bottom tier of gigs, the plus one gigs. And I, you know, I've done pro gigs and I'm getting big gigs like the Angel one last week. But I'm going into them without getting all the middle gigs that I need because a lot of them I'm just shut out for some reason. And it happens to other people as well. You know, I don't really hang around after a night to make pals with comedians. I come home, I've got a long enough journey as it is. And, you know, I just want to do my gigs and and go. I'm making, you know, one or two, uh, I think I said earlier, friends along the way. But, you know, I don't want to spend my whole night at the venue. Uh, And I, I see that a lot of comedians are putting on new nights and I try to get on there and when they announce their events, I know right away the comics that are going to be on these events. And in many cases, a lot of them, they're just not good enough, but they're on there because they're pals. It's no different to the way the world works, but it's a little frustrating. I don't think it's a good enough reason for me to then go off and start my own show because that's just going to take up my time the way this podcast does. And, you know, I don't have enough time because I've got lots of things to do, like fix my life, move out of this place, find money, Star Wars football, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Coffee, writing. So that was a good gig, though, on, was it Tuesday? No, Wednesday I did uh, live from the Albany. Joff came along with me for that one. That was too long a night. That went on for quite a bit. That was in Great Portland Street, and uh, some of the headliners were doing 15s instead of 10s. And I don't think, you know, I think... one of the headliners was good. I, I thought two of them weren't so good. And again, it's a case of who you know. At the moment, they don't know me, so I'm not going to get a headline slot. I think I did well that night without being brilliant again, but I'll take well right now, given everything that I got uh, going on. If I get a headline slot there, I'll go back there again. Otherwise, uh, I, I don't need to. Uh, straightforward journey into uh, Great Poland Street. And the bonus, of course, Joff got to uh, kindly fix my uh, my watch at uh, thursday night was a really uh, bad gig i'm not a competition guy but uh, at least the mc this time had the good grace not to tell the audience what my score had been with the audible decibel counter it registered a disgraceful low worse than the one in deptford and i didn't particularly care i have to say i made sure i only got there for 2100 hours rather than 2000 hours because I know it's a long night and I don't want to be there for the whole night. And it's the last one I'm doing. I've now left that particular Facebook group. You know, once I commit to gigs, I see them through. But after the first one, I had an idea of the format and how long the nights are going to be under this promoter. And fair play to them. They're hardworking. I hope they get uh, the breaks that their hard work uh, merits. But the nights are, are too long, 15 acts, MC doing stuff in between the acts and, you know, my stuff not landing in front of a you know an audience that night particularly uh, comprised of comics i should have got into the final of the middle one that i did but of course i made the error of clapping my rival into the final that night learned my lesson this time but uh, could have done with clapping myself that night to get the decibel counter uh, going up the the good thing was i ran into when i turned up i i found the lose uh, went to wash my hands, chucked water on my face to try and wake up. There were flying ants. I wanted to check my hair because uh, there were, it was a night of flying ants. And as I was coming upstairs, I ran into this uh, stand-up uh, comedian whose night I performed on in Peckham. Really nice guy, American guy. Well, half American, half British, but born in Baltimore. 
and we got chatting for about 15 minutes and uh, he said to me that he's gonna he wants me to go and do a music gig with him because he says it'll have a big audience it's not set up for stand-up but you get stand-up acts on those nights and it will really sharpen me up it was something I didn't want to do those kind of open mic nights but hearing it from him and it's very different to what I've heard from other comics hearing it from him you know, so far I've trusted his advice and I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to try it. So exchange, uh, well, I gave him my number. It's another one of those situations where I'm waiting for the number to come back, their number to come back. But he said he'll contact me and hopefully uh, that happens because I just want to sharpen up. I want to get used to those big audiences. I do better in front of the big audiences, but you need to get used to them. And if you're one night you're doing a gig in front of four people, the next night you're doing it in front of 50, 60 people. Is that the ideal preparation? As I say, I'm concerned I'm not getting the middle gigs. My big concern on after that, I mean, because I thought, well, that's really lucky. I'm really, really lucked in to see this comic here. He was here to see one of the acts in the first section. I was on in the third section. Uh, the big Tesco on Acre Lane was just down the road. I wanted to get my yogurt, which is a bit cheaper there, and get some fruit. The oranges there are much bigger. And the store closes at 11. I got to the venue for 2,100 hours. Uh, 2,300 hours Tesco closes. Let's be consistent there. And I thought, well, that's I'll comfortably get to Tesco in time and I'll get my stuff. It'll make for an easier day tomorrow, Friday being my shopping day. The gig went on so long, I was left with three minutes to get to Tesco. I got to Tesco, ran from the venue to Tesco, got to Tesco uh, 2301 hours saw a customer coming out i said is the are they still open he said oh you're pushing it mate uh, i i ran to the doors they opened they let me in the sliding doors let me in i ran for the fruit section picked up the fruit was running to the yogurt section two people screaming behind me security guard and uh, shop assistant we're closed we're closed what are you doing what are you doing we're closed and I said well you've just you know the doors were open I've come in of course I knew I was chancing my arm I knew that the store closed at 2300 hours I didn't tell them that I still ran for the yogurt picked up my yogurt had all these things in my hand 2300 hours now yeah I was chancing it but you know if you're a decent person you might say okay well there's a reason they're here at this particular time of night why don't we just let them get this you know, we can we can still have a go at him. We can say, look, don't do this again, blah, blah, blah. But let him get his stuff. And they didn't. Uh, the shop assistant was insisting I put them in their trolley. I was so cheesed off, I chucked them in another trolley. I was arguing with a pair of them. That's the sertraline. The sertraline, there's no flight in the fight or flight. It's just fight. Stood my ground, arguing with a security guard, telling him about the door. And the, the thing is, you know, I'm a decent guy. I know that that guy, particularly in that area, Acre Lane, SW2, horrible area, probably has to deal with idiots all day long. And as far as he was concerned, I was just another one. I don't think I was another one. But yes, I chanced my arm. I should have just not gone in there. But once I was in there, at least let me get the stuff. Look, I've got it. It was like a mad trolley dash. You know, I've picked up all the items I need in my hands and I'm going to pay. They were then telling me that the tills were closed. I was still arguing with the security guard as we went out. And I think in the end, he saw a bit of reason. I said, because I said, look, I respect the job you got. You're going to have a lot of idiots that you're dealing with. As far as you're concerned, I'm another one. I probably shouldn't have come in. I told him I didn't know what time they closed. That bit was a lie. Uh, I'm just sharing that with you. Hard swallow, 1842. But I, I told myself, I'm not going to get them to open a till just for me now. I've got this wrong. I'm going to go. And the thing is, the orange, what kills me is I can find a cheaper yogurt elsewhere, okay? 
my my favorite yogurt has gone up 65p now but i can find a cheaper yogurt even though those cheaper yogurts have also gone up to one pound 80 but it's the oranges the oranges in tesco's are so much bigger than sainsbury's I don't know why there is such a size disparity in the last year. So I really wanted those big oranges. On Friday, I went into Sainsbury's, uh, the Nine Elms Monster, found some decent sized oranges by Sainsbury's standards, but their large oranges are awful. But yeah, that's that's the thing I'm aware of. I do want to come off these pills because there's no backing down on these pills. I think that's actually why I said to you when I was considering returning to stand-up, one of my curiosity things... (laughs) With regards to the stand-up, I was curious about the sertraline because I thought that it would help me conquer my stage fright. And I think it has. But this is the problem with sertraline. It, this is the downside of it. You know, I'm not an argumentative guy. I'm not a confrontational guy, but I've become a confrontational guy on the sertraline. I'm aware of it, but I still can't stop it. There's no anxiety to pull away. It's, uh, it's, a, bit of a, it's a bit of a concern. So that was my week reaching its uh, climax. You know, as I said, I'd had to fast earlier in the week ahead of the hospital appointments. There was a moment when I was fasting, when I was lying down in bed, I think on the Tuesday, really hungry by by the late afternoon, because you could eat until 1pm, 1300 hours for consistency. Uh, Let's be consistent until this show is over. You could eat, but not much. So I was hungry from the beginning. And in the afternoon, I caught sight of myself in the mirror mirror by the bed it's just it's been there since I I moved in it's not a vanity thing and it bothered me as I saw my reflection looking back at me how sad I looked and I thought is that me do I really look this sad normally it was just a very long day and I'd been distracted on the Thursday I'd gone shopping in the afternoon and I was going to do even more shopping in the evening because I couldn't find what I needed in the West End well I found some jeans but not the hoodie that I think I mentioned earlier and uh, bought jeans in my current size now which is the first time I've been this size probably in my adult life and uh, not, a, not a good size not not a bigger size but a smaller size and that that's kind of where the concern is coming in that have that have seen me end up in um uh, in hospital this week and I've really got to try and nail this weight loss I have been trying to eat a lot more but as my uncle said and you know the eating a lot more at the moment doesn't seem to be making a difference my uncle said well why don't you just the danger of buying clothes when you don't really know your size anymore is that they might just fit you for a few weeks and then what you're going to buy a bigger size if you're putting on more weight and uh, he's got a point. This is the first time I've been in this situation in my adult life. I had a brief chubby period in the mid-noughties. The uh, pastries at the cafe in my early years there were, were behind that and uh, full fat milk at home. But uh, ever since then, I've been a you know regular size. But uh, there, yeah, this is a concern. Uh, did I give you this week's gigs? I, I don't think I did. Let me just uh, give you this week's uh, gigs. Uh Tuesday, no, Wednesday, Wednesday 13th of July, laugh at the library doing a gig in Upper Norwood, uh, doing a 10-minute spot there, Upper Norwood Library. I'll stick links up in the, um, well, on on the social media feeds uh, during the week. And Queen Victoria Comedy in Bermondsey on Thursday night. I think that's a 6.30 start. That's just a short spot. I'll I'll stick links up uh, during the week. Uh, Let me give you my final ever Nectar Points total. 8th of July, went in with a balance of 93. 
93 points. Bought some Greek style yogurt, one pound eighty. That's gone up, but my uh, they they sell my regular yogurt for two pounds forty five now. I'm never going to be buying that for that price. My imperfectly tasty grapes have gone up to one pound twenty seven. Blueberries more expensive in Sainsbury's one pound nineteen. Smoked mackerel that's gone up to ten ten p to one pound fifty five. Still cheaper than little. And three single oranges, uh, as I mentioned a, sh- a few moments ago, a decent size by Sainsbury's standards, ninety p. Total of six pounds seventy one six points. Uh, and uh, new points balance of 99. Couldn't even close out my decade on this show with 100 points. 99 points. Points balance worth 49. Star Wars football. Quite a few games to bring you. Uh, Europa League 25th of uh, quarterfinals, 25th of June. Quarterfinal first leg, last season's beaten finalist, Death Star. Five seasons of European football, now the only domestic side to have been in all five seasons of European football. Uh, Death Star, uh, beaten finalist, as I said last season in the Europa League. They travelled to Naboo and won comfortably 4-0 goals uh, from... Uh, 3PO and uh, ASCII and Adat Impi, uh, they were among the scorers. Uh, I think the only other side, they're also the only side Death Star to reach semi-finals, six silver, uh, let me get my words right. They're the only side in the Silver Age to reach semi-finals in each of the six Silver Age seasons, uh, like uh, Tatooine. And I think... Death Star now looks like they're going to make it a seventh season in a row. Their, their, their path to the semi-finals of the Europa League seems pretty clear now after that 4-0 win. Uh, Europa League quarterfinal first leg. Acto 3, Cloud City 1. Cato uh, Neimodia uh, 1, Polis, po- Polis Masso 0. Uh, forgive me, they're two new uh, Star Wars planets there who are making their debut in European football. Standard of the Europa League this season, so far very disappointing. But back to Death Star, two in seven defeats under new boss Naranjito seem to be slowly, seems to be slowly stabilising uh, things. But yeah, the standard of the Europa League, which has been really good the last couple of seasons since it was introduced, perhaps as a counterpoint to the troubled 12-team uh, Champions League that's now been abandoned in favour of a more exciting than the original format of just two groups of eight. Uh, the Europa League was really at times outshining its uh, senior UEFA member, but this this particular season hasn't really started well. Champions League week group five, um, sorry, Champions League week five. God, I'm messing up as I'm coming to the end of the show. No nerves, by the way, Sertraline. Uh, group A, Besbin, they needed to beat Tatooine and they took the lead. Who did they take? Oh, Luke Skywalker, farm boy Luke, as he's known now in the vintage action figure circles um he scored uh 30 seconds after the break Tatooine equalized through who scored our oh, medical droid the substitute scored a brilliant finish from a very clever pass from uh who scored sorry it was the pass who played that pass oh Campbell Campbell the action force figure he played a beautiful pass with his left foot just think the ball in medical droid glancing header uh, just past Hoth, Rebel in the Besbin goal. Besbin go out. Alderaan, they were in command of Group B after three games. They have, uh, they've now lost two successive games. Alderaan nil, Zepho two. Zepho had lost at home to Alderaan earlier in Group B, but they fully deserved their win 
and uh, I'll give you the tables in a moment. Then Group A, Moz Isley, they were 30 seconds away. Sorry, no, they were... They were 67 seconds away from losing 2-1. They managed to win 3-2 against Mandalay. Mandalay just needed a point to go through. It's certainly the weaker group, Group A. Group B, the group uh, cliché group of death, the strongest group there's ever been in the Champions League, where even now, as I'll tell you in a minute, any of the four teams could go through to the semifinals. Friday night, Endor, who'd lost their two of their first three games. They travelled to Yavin 4 and... Uh, Yavin 4 unbeaten but 3 draws from 4 games when they should have been comfortably in the semi-finals Uh, a win would have put them top a point would have put them top I think Uh, they lost 1-0 at home to end and they go from being on the cusp of going top to actually being bottom of the group now well deserved win for Endor Group A tables everyone's played 5 Tatooine top they've already qualified uh, they were on 11 points plus four goal difference. Mandalay still second, uh, seven points from five games, zero goal difference. Moz Isley, uh, six points minus two goal difference. They have to beat Besbin uh, to to win. Uh, yeah, they need to win to to go through. Uh, Besbin bottom with three points, no wins, uh, minus two goal difference. Group B, Zepho. Again, they've all played five. Zepho, seven points, plus two goal difference. Aldron still second, 7.0 goal difference. They travel to Yavin 4. A draw will be enough uh, for them. Yavin 4 need to beat uh, Aldron to go through. Endor in third place, seven points, minus two goal difference. Endor really clawed their way up. And again, it's in, you know, whoever wins that. Well, Endor need to beat Zepho to go through. And uh, that's at Endor. Zepho had beaten Endor 3-0 at Zepho. Uh, Endor need to win to go through. A draw unlikely to be enough unless, yeah, unlikely to be enough. They need to win. Zepho, uh, a point will see them go through. Very, very complicated. Yavin 4, if they win, they go through. So what a what a group. Last night, uh, League Week 11, the new boys, Apex Overlook, who'd won six games in a row to lift themselves to fourth place in the league. Uh, they beat Concord. Uh, sorry, they were playing Concord Dawn, who they've never beaten. Let me just see where Apex. Yeah, they were in fourth place. A win would take them to the top for the first time ever. But uh, Concord Dawn brought their winning run to an end. Uh, Concord Dawn were leading one nil. Apex Overlook equalised through Kirk after Haas had given uh, Concord Dawn the first half lead with his fifth goal of the season. A lovely finish. Minimal back left. Apex Overlook, they go up to third place, still 19 points from 21, a total of 21 points the last seven games. That's a brilliant total. They're still very much in the running for a Champions League place. Concord Dawn, though, they stay stuck in sixth place. Their own dreams of a European place via their league standards looking highly unlikely. Well, not highly unlikely, but the the Cups seem to be their best bet. Uh, Let's pay off final ever visit to the cafe the sw8 cafe that held out for so long against the gentrifiers like the village in asterix did against the romans 1855 hours how long is this show what is going on here one minute 13 seconds now sorry one minute 13 oh losing it one hour 13 there we go let's wrap things up let me get out of your ears now for the last time 
So uh, Morocco and not Mick. I'm just bringing you little nuggets from the last uh, couple of weeks. Morocco and not Mick constantly arguing in the mornings, even about the holiday they're planning. You know, sometimes when it's just me and those two in the mornings, I really feel like a loser. I feel am I? I hope people don't think I'm like them because the pair of them. They're not the full ticket, that's for sure. I think I told you on episode 399 that I'd exchanged numbers with Morocco. I think I told you about that. I felt the need to give out my number just to feel like I mattered. And, you know, he'd hijacked my table and he's, you know, he's been telling me to drink uh, garlic and olive oil to help with my sleeping and also onion juice. And, you know, it's like this guy just wants me to stay single. Uh, in other news, not mix immersion heating is not working. Apparently, uh, future me, my future self, he's getting into the women's Euros, which uh, are being aired on the BBC. He's enjoying uh, that he's looking a bit uh, sprightly, very summery, still having his scrambled egg on toast in the mornings. There's been a few instances in the mornings more than a few, where I've been the only one in the cafe, but I've still not been able to get served. Uh, I've still not been able to get a new latte for ages. And I started to wonder if maybe they're worried I might leave sooner if I get the latte and the cafe will be empty. That won't be a great look for the cafe. And once they start folding the napkins before lunchtime, which they do at the bar, they rarely glance back and I've got a long, you know, long wait. Pre-pandemic, I'd go up to the bar and push them for another latte. But these days, given I've got to, you know, I get on well with all of them, I try to be a bit more patient. I'm looking forward to tomorrow because I've got an early start tomorrow. I've got, to, again, a bit more shopping, trying to find this uh, this hoodie, try and return some library books. But I'm, I'm, I get a free coffee tomorrow so I can hopefully pull a long session in the cafe. At 1st of July, someone took a fall opposite the cafe by the library looked bad for some time. It was about 30 minutes before an ambulance came. It was uh, uh, an elderly woman. She was attended to by a couple of guys, but I'm not sure why the ambulance took so long to reach her, but it did look really hairy for a while. 7th of July, the Beard was telling me that despite this horrendous government, they still can't hold a candle to the corrupt political system in his native Portugal. He is also... uh, Still worrying about his team, Sporting Lisbon putting in a romantic bid to bring Ronaldo home. He does not want a veteran Ronaldo to play for his team again. Worrying times on South Lambeth Road, SW8. Meantime, another Portuguese restaurant has bitten the dust. Uh, Grela de Oro. I think de Oro means of gold. I'm not sure what Grelo means. I could look it up, but hey, why don't you look it up? Future Me told me... Um, the new Colombian cafe, meantime, I think it's Colombian, certainly South American, in addition to expensive coffees, also charges a 45p service charge. And again, this is just these gentrifiers, they come to the area, they either don't understand the makeup of the area or they just don't care. Friday the 8th of July, one guy in a wheelchair who claimed he'd been coming to the cafe for 30 years had opened in 94, so that's unlikely. Uh, He tried to light up inside the cafe as if the smoking ban had never happened back in 2007. He was then telling his dining companion all sorts of things. He thinks he's a gangster. One time he was taking me around Brixton and showing me where he'd killed people. You should never put salt on anything. He stopped washing himself. He stank. I had to end our meeting early. And that is it on that ropey accent. I wrap up this show. That is the end of episode 400. That is the end of Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. Thank for that. That may suggest a bitter departure on my part. 
it's not the case. It's just relief, pure relief. Hopefully I'll have to either earn a living or adjust for whatever grim news the hospital has for me. Either way, no more working for free. It's cost me too much. It's cost me time, money, life. And if I continue into old age just doing this, I'll regret it because I won't have made anything for a decent pension in these shows. I think they're more or less done. The one-man op thing, unless you're doing true crime, absolutely no chance. What about doing a football show, Dave? Uh, You know what, I'll have a a think about that. Let me come back to you on that. So, after 10 years, a show that started in Morden, four different homes, relatively stable compared to the two and a half years that came before that, which saw me living in 12 different places as the wheels never properly replaced, came off my life in spectacular fashion. And now for the last time, it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. I'm off to the podcast afterlife. I hope that's the only afterlife I'm joining for now. I do hope so. I'd have hated to have spent the last quarter of my life wasting my time with this show. Seriously. I've never quite had the life I should have had that my work deserved, but I wouldn't mind some of it before this is all up. And that is still the aim. That is still what I'm chasing I've been Daniel Ruiz-Tyson. Thank you for your support over the years. And I am pleased to say I am no longer available. 